I pity the fool goes home crying to his mama. If you want to run with the big dog, stop pooping like a puppy. Without disappointment, you can't appreciate victory. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I am Gamer Dude, and this is Storytime. Glad to have you here for another episode. Today we're going to be talking about sports, but not like organized sports. Okay, maybe slightly organized sports. I guess that's the way to put it. We're not talking about the Yankees or the Jets. Okay, they're not very organized either. But we're not talking about professional sports. We're talking about weekend warrior sports, the kind of sports that I can participate in. I always fashioned myself as an athlete as a kid. I wanted to be an athlete, but as anybody who's listened to the podcasts knows, I was a fat kid, and the fat kid never got invited to play on the teams, and if he tried out for the teams, he would have been laughed off the playing field, so I never bothered to try. But I still loved sports, so when I was hanging out with my friends, we would play football or softball or baseball or basketball. I played all of the sports. I learned the rules. I loved sports. I just never had a chance to play on the organized teams for the school, so I had to, con- I had to be content with just playing with my friends, which was great. The other thing that I did as a kid is I was a reader. So I read books about sports. I had the books Strange But True Baseball Stories, Strange But True Football Stories, Great Moments in Pro Football, all these kinds of books about what happened in sports, what made them interesting, what made them exciting, what people strove for, what people liked to do in sports. Then I bought books on how to be a better football player, how to be a better baseball player, and I read those and I digested those. I loved that kind of thing because I really wanted to do it, I just never had the chance to do it, at least in my mind. I felt, I felt like I couldn't try out for the teams because it just wasn't worth my while. So what I did, if I didn't have friends hanging around, we had an area of our driveway that was at a lower level than the peak of the house. The peak of the house was about two stories up. So at the top of the peak, there were the bedroom windows. And between the bedroom windows, there was an area where you could throw a ball and bounce it off the wall. I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did it. And I used tennis balls and a baseball mitt. And that was my outfield. So what I would do is I would stand at the top of the driveway and I'd throw the ball as hard as I could against the the shingles on on the house, much to my dad's chagrin. And I would field fly balls all over the driveway. And I would do that for literally hours. I would be out there shagging flies, throwing the ball against the house, making diving stops in the gravel on the driveway, coming up dirty, coming up scratched, coming up bleeding, but still making these fantastic catches that in my imagination saved the game for the Yankees because I was a big Yankees fan. And I always figured, oh, maybe I'll play for the Yankees one day. (laughs) But doesn't every kid dream that they're going to play for their favorite team? I did. I did. I thought I'd make the Yankees at one point. Yeah, I never realized you actually had to, you know, play organized sports to have a shot at that. But that was my dream. At one point, I wanted to be a Yankees baseball player. So I would shag flies all the live long day. Now, there was no way for me to practice hitting because by the time I would throw a ball against the house and then grab a bat... Just wasn't working for me. And we didn't have anything like batting tees back when I was a kid. If you wanted to practice hitting, you had to have somebody throw the ball to you. And we didn't really have baseball in my neighborhood. I mean, we had a couple of guys who would throw baseballs with me, but we didn't play baseball because baseball is 
It's a very fast sport, and it can be very dangerous if you hit the ball really hard. It can take somebody's head off. So that's why our parents always wanted us to play softball. And you know softball. It's that big grapefruit-sized ball, underhand pitching. It can still be dangerous, but not nearly as bad as baseball. So softball was always the chosen baseball sport in our neighborhood. Baseball in that we had bases, and you threw a ball, and you ran the bases. There was also kickball. That was when we had the really little kids in the neighborhood involved in the game. So we would play kickball as well. But softball was our neighborhood equivalent of the major league. So we had everybody involved in the softball games. And we had the kid across the way who had a big open yard where we could actually play softball. And we had the home run territory. Left field extended about 50 feet out, but then there was the road. So if you hit it into the road, it was a double. If you hit it over the road, it was a home run. So that was our home run porch out there to the left. And then over second base, it extended further across his driveway and the road continued on an angle. So if you could reach the road on the fly from there, that would also be a home run. Not that we made it an automatic home run because somebody would always chase after the ball and try to catch it or catch up with it if you hit it out to deep center. It would just keep going if it was out in that direction. So it was a de facto home run if you hit it there. Right field was always a little difficult because right field was kind of uphill and there was several trees up in right field. So there was never a home run to right field. In addition, we were all right-handed hitters, so we rarely slapped the ball into right field. We were all dead pull hitters. Every once in a while, we'd hit it straight away center. But, you know, you're kids. You don't think about trying to slap the ball anywhere. You just wind up and hit. And so that's what we did. We had a lot of pull home runs down the left field line across the street. And if we were really behind it, into the creek on the far side of the road. Automatic home run when you hit the creek. So that was our baseball field. And when I was younger, as I said, I was, a, I was a heavy kid. So when somebody would pitch the ball to me, I could really literally put my weight behind it. And boy, I could drive a softball like nobody's business. That ball would sail. It would go and go and go. And the kids would play me deep, but there were times where I would just hit it past everybody, no matter how deep they played, because I just had the timing down. I had the skill set right. I would just connect with that softball and it would just go. And I loved, I loved that part about sports. I figured if I could ever get into organized ball, I could be a home run king. Never happened, but in my imagination, it happened a lot. So softball was our big game on the field. The other game that we had, of course, was basketball. What neighborhood doesn't have a basketball hoop? Well, ours actually didn't. For the longest time, ours didn't. We tried hanging a basketball hoop on the telephone pole at the end of my driveway. But for some reason, the state and the cops thought it was a bad idea for us to have a basketball hoop on a public telephone pole in the middle of a busy street. Imagine that. We didn't have a basketball hoop at the top of our driveway because it was all gravel. And if you've ever tried to dribble a basketball in a gravel driveway, never works. Never works very well. But the neighbor, Vinny, my buddy across the street, they finally installed a basketball hoop over there. Now, back in those days, we didn't have portable basketball hoops. I know you can go into, you can go into any sporting goods store these days and uh, you can find one of those portable hoops, the thing with the wheels and you roll it out wherever you want to put it and the backboard is at the top and you can set the height to whatever height you want it. Back in the day, if you wanted to set up a basketball hoop, you had to dig a hole in the ground, get a giant pole, set it in concrete and let it set level so that you could then put a backboard on it. 
we didn't have any portable anythings. Getting a basketball hoop installed was serious business. But finally across the street, Vinny got his dad to install a basketball hoop. And so that's when we started playing basketball. Now, we were horrible basketball players. The basketball hoop was set at 10 feet because that's what a rim is, is set at. It's 10 feet. When you're seven, eight, nine years old, you don't hit 10-foot shots very often. I mean, it's, it's a struggle to get it up that high. But it gave us something to shoot for because that's the regulation size, 10 feet. So we would practice on 10-foot rims. And, you know, you got a bunch of little kids running around trying to shoot the ball. And it was a little frustrating. But you learned to dribble and you learned how to pass around your back. You learned all the trick shots and all the maneuvers and all the handles and all the breaking ankles, which we didn't even know what it was back in the day. But that's what we did because you would try to fake your friends out any way you could. So we learned skills and then we eventually learned to shoot. And as we grew up and we got taller, we started hitting those shots on the 10-foot rim. So we did develop enough skills to play basketball. Now, I mentioned softball and I mentioned basketball because these are the two sports that I carried forward in my life. Those are the two sports that you can almost always find games for as you get older. So I had the foundation for these games back in my childhood. But as I got older and after I got out of school and I was my trim, grown-up self, I discovered that I loved playing sports. As much as I always dreamed that I would, I loved playing sports. When I was in college, my college roommate was a former high school basketball star. He was All-State in Ohio. He was, a, he was a great basketball player. And so we would go over to the rec center, and he taught me offenses and defenses. He taught me how to play defense. I learned a lot from him. And then I actually took a course in basketball at college. Why? Well, number one, it was basketball. And number two, it was taught by a coach who used to be on the Lakers staff. I don't to this day remember his name, but I remember being so impressed that a former Lakers coach was teaching basketball at my college. And so he taught us all the ins and outs and, you know, passing drills and defensive drills. I learned what a suicide was. By the way, a suicide is if you run back and forth from the end line out to midcourt, making stops along the way as fast as you can, touching the floor back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, it'll kill you. That's why it's called a suicide. Um, But we learned those drills and we learned you know, how to think like a team and act like a team and set plays. And it was just, it was a great learning experience. I loved everything about it. So I I absorbed this information from my roommate and from my teacher and from the guys that I played with. And it was fantastic. I loved it because I was, I was learning a sport that I really enjoyed. And that's when basketball became my favorite sport because it's just so much fun. And there's so much strategy and all different ways to play and win a game. And I learned all the ins and outs of playing basketball as a pickup sport. When you go to the gym, you would call next and you'd have your guys together. And if you only had three guys, but there was, there was a five-on-five game going, the losers of the previous game would shoot for the last two slots on your team. And if you won, you held the floor. And if you lost, you had to leave. And learning, to, learning what win-by-two was all about. And all the ins and outs of pickup ball was just fascinating to me. And it was a great way to hang with your friends because you'd get three or four guys from your dorm and you'd go over and play basketball at the rec center. And that's the same philosophy that applied when I got out of school. Now, when I got out of school, I didn't have a lot of the guys that I hung with because I moved out of state. But I knew how to go get into a game if I wanted to. And I found the playgrounds around where I was living. And I'd go call next at the playground and said, I need four. So I'd get four guys shooting for my game and then we'd run an offense 
And I learned how to spot players, too. One of the jobs that I had when I got out of school was driving limos. And one of the guys I was driving, we got to talking about sports. And he said, you know, you should come play with us sometime. And my ears perked up. And he said, where do you play? Well, right up the street. And right up the street happened to be right up the street from where I was living. And I said, really? When? And he said, Tuesday nights. We start at 7. We go 7 to 9. So I showed up the next Tuesday night and started playing with these guys. And this was just guys like me in their 20s, some 30s. One of the older guys was in his 50s, but they had the range from the 20s to the 50s playing pickup basketball for two hours a night every Tuesday night. And as I talked to those guys, I found out that there was another place where the guys would play pickup basketball Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I set up a schedule for myself where I was playing pickup basketball Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, three nights a week. And I was just running like crazy and loving it because it was playing basketball with a bunch of like-minded guys. No hostility, no anger, no angst, no overly competitive genes going on. You just wanted to play some games and have some fun. And it was great fun. I loved it. So I had my basketball group and I played with my basketball guys. I also still had my softball skills. I used my softball skills all through college. We played intramurals all the time. When I got a job out of college, one of the things that I discovered was corporate softball leagues. Yeah, these are very, very serious softball leagues. Slow pitch, not fast pitch. I'm sure you've seen fast pitch softball, but this is corporate slow pitch softball. And these guys are serious. You have to try out for the team. You have to have a certain skill set. You have to be able to play a position. You have to be able to field a position and you have to be able to hit. So this new job that I had, I tried out for the team and they put me in the outfield. I was a pretty good outfielder back when I had speed. As I've gotten older, I've slowed down a little bit. I've worked my way to the infield over the years. But back in the day, I was a center fielder and I could get after a ball back then. We played corporate softball and this was, this was another one of those things where guys were just hanging out playing games, but these were a little more serious because there was an actual league. All the companies in the neighborhood would be in this league. It would be Joe's Manufacturing and Tim's Tool and Die and Gary's Guitar Shop, and they would each field their teams, and there'd be standings at the end of the season, and then you would play the neighboring town's corporate league champion, and you would have bragging rights for the entire year until the next season. Now, what is it? It's a hundred guys in various companies playing softball for just for fun and games. But it was great and we loved it. And I, I, I loved playing softball. It was a good time. And I do remember, you know, I had a couple of great plays. I remember this was awesome. I'm, I'm playing center field. Okay. For the little corporate league, but still I'm playing center field and making diving catches and throwing guys out at second base. Oh, it was great. I loved it. I, do remember one error that I had. It's a memorable error. Uh, I was playing third base because one of our guys hadn't shown up, so they wanted me at third base because I had quick reactions. Either that or I was the only guy left. It could be that. Uh, but my reactions were not quick enough on this particular play. There was a ground ball hit like a shot down the third base line. And it was one of those ground balls that if, you, if it comes right at you and you field it cleanly, you really look great and you make a great throw and you throw a guy out by a step at first base. This was not one of those ground balls that cooperated, though. The ground ball was right off the bat. It hit the edge of the grass between where the dirt and the grass are. So it didn't hit square on the grass. It didn't hit square on the dirt. It hit on the edge. And hitting on the edge changed the angle of the ball just enough so that it bounced straight over my glove and hit me right in the face. 
Yeah, it's exactly what you think. I turned my head so I didn't get a broken nose out of it, but it smacked my jaw and hit me so hard that it chipped the back tooth. And I went down like I was shot. By the way, if you've ever talked to anybody I play a game with, I'm very dramatic when I get hurt. I'll bounce right back up, but I'll go down like I was shot. It's not quite as bad as some of the floppers in soccer because I actually have to get hurt. I won't flop, but if I get hit, boy, you'll know I got hit. And I went down and it hurt, let me tell you. And I had a little knot on my jaw the size of a golf ball where that ball hit hit. But I got up and I finished the game because that's the kind of guy I am. My basketball skills also stayed in play through all the three nights a week of basketball that I was playing. Uh, Because as many of you know, I worked in radio. And one of the things that I was able to do was convince the owner of the radio station that we should have a team that we could go around and make appearances with. I got the idea from some of the football teams and some of the baseball teams that would field, you know, retirees from the team to go around as goodwill ambassadors for the Giants, for instance, and play basketball against the faculty of your high school. And I thought, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So I convinced the owner of the station that the air staff, the news staff, the salespeople should all form the WRNJ All-Stars. And we were a basketball team. And so what we did was we would advertise on the air as a charity fundraiser if they would like to have us come to their school or their facility, the Lions Club, uh, the Moose Lodge, the high school, whatever school or organization was interested in doing a fundraiser where you could play basketball against the WRNJ All-Stars, we would show up and play. We didn't guarantee a win. We didn't guarantee a loss. We guaranteed a good game and fun to be had by all. And so we did that a couple of times. We were able to do a couple of fundraisers. One of the greatest moments for me was when my old high school, which was, which was in the listening area of my radio station, agreed to have us in to play basketball against the high school staff. This was awesome for me because I never played high school basketball. I would have loved to, but this was almost as good because I was playing basketball on my high school court against the teachers that I had when I was in school. It was awesome. We lost that game, but it was still awesome. I got to make some diving plays, and I got to make some running jump shots, and I got to make all kinds of amazing, in my mind, plays in front of the people that I, at one time, went to school with. It was great fun. The best game, though, as one of the WRNJ All-Stars, and this is my sporting moment of my life. I know, it's a very low bar because I didn't have many. But the sporting moment of my life is the game we played against the local high school, not the one that I went to, mine was a regional school. This was the local high school in the town where the radio station was. And we were running the All-Stars against the local high school staff. And all the pomp and circumstance you expect from an All-Star basketball game was there. The auditorium was filled to overflowing. There was probably 200 people there. But boy, it felt like it was full to overflowing. The crowd was going crazy. It really was. I mean, for a bunch of local radio disc jockeys and local high school teachers, the place was a frenzy. I remember it to this day. It was crazy loud in there. And it was the biggest crowd that I've ever played in front of. And it was amazing to just march out there and 
have the team around me. And it was as close as I'll ever come to that moment that everybody hears about in sports where the crowd has you motivated, the adrenaline's pumping, you're all so excited. It was that moment. It was that moment where you can feel your heart beating in your chest. You can feel the butterflies in your stomach. You feel the sweat pouring off your brow as you're getting pumped up for this game because the crowd was into it. The team was into it. And everybody was watching. It was great. It was everything that I thought that it would be. And the game was a really good game. I don't remember the final score, but I remember it being a back and forth game throughout the entire game. I remember trading baskets, going up by four, going down by four. It was back and forth through the first half. Then there was the halftime break, and then we had the second 10-minute half. We were playing 10-minute halves, of course. And I remember the clock winding down, and we had timeouts, and we had fouls, and we had referees, and it was, you know, all of the pomp and circumstance that goes with a game like that. And we're down to the last five seconds, and we have a timeout, and we're trying to call the last play. Now, I'm six feet tall. I was the point guard on the team. We had a couple of forwards who were 6'3", 6'4". We had a couple other guards. We had a center who was about 6'4". We had a couple of good shooters. I've always been a decent shooter. I've never been a lights-out shooter, but I've always been a decent shooter. So I thought that the play, of course, me being me, I thought the play should come to me. It didn't. The tall guys were planning the play, and I said, fine, whatever. One of the tall guys happened to be the owner of the station. Who am I to countermand what the owner of the station wanted to do? He was on the floor. He wanted to play. You get to call the play, sir. Go right ahead. So he and the other tall guy worked out the play between them, and I was off on the wing on the baseline, and the clock is ticking down. The ball is inbounded to the one tall guy at the top of the key, and he passes it inside the lane to the other tall guy who's about 10 feet out, and he takes a shot, and the clock is winding down, and the shot bounces off the rim, and I crash the board, and I remember going up as high as my little six-foot frame would go, which was about six feet two inches, but somehow, somehow, I got the rebound, It was a clean rebound. There was nobody around. I went right back up with the rebound, banked it off the glass, swoosh, right through the net. The buzzer goes off. We won by one point. The only buzzer beater in my entire life. And it was glorious. And to this day, I still get a chill thinking about that because it was A buzzer beater with a crowd watching, with everybody going wild, with the team surrounding me going, it was amazing. And it's a feeling I'll never forget. And I think that's why we play sports. Even if you're the weekend warrior, even if you're the guy who plays once a week, once a month, once every couple of months, those moments... Those moments where your adrenaline's pumping, where you get the winning shot, where everything comes together, that's what we live for. And that's what makes sports so much fun. So now you know, I'm a closet jock. There's a nerdy side to me, but there's a jockey side to me too. So if I'm a nerdy jock, I don't know if that's a thing, but now it is. I'm a nerdy jock or a jockey nerd, or maybe I'm a jerd or a knock. I don't know. I love sports. I love nerdy things. I'm a renaissance man. What can I tell you? (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening once again. I really do appreciate your support. It means the world to me that you take the time to listen, to comment, and to appreciate what I do here. You take care of yourselves. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.